Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Incarceration Classroom. I'm Tracy. I'm Kelly. I'm Nizara. And I'm Katrina. If you haven't listened to us before, we are a small group of college students learning and sharing our research studies with our community on the topic of what factors contribute to Washington State being one of the highest incarceration states in the country? And how can we change this? Today's episode is our last one. And we're looking at what the answer to our question is. To start off, let's look at Cheryl Little, who was 23 when she first entered prison to begin a long life sentence. Despite her young age, she was given a life sentence due to her crimes being considered a strike under the three strikes law. Her past involved sexual assault and a drug addiction that eventually led up to a robbery that would qualify as a second degree robbery. Her story was included in an article by the Seattle Times from May of 2019 that discussed the after effects of second degree robbery no longer being considered strikes, but not retroactively. She, among 62 others, faced extreme disappointment at being left behind from reforms made to our system after being affected by Washington's policies. In an article from the ACLU report um, on the topic of how long in life sentences fuel mass incarceration in Washington state, it states, quote, in 2019, 41.5% of all people in Washington's prisons were serving a sentence of 10 or more years, and 17% were serving a life sentence, end quote. More details can be found at the same ACLU article as well as the prison policy article. This ACLU article how long in life sentences and how more and more people are being sentenced to more time in prison. In a certain section from the article, it highlights how Washington got rid of parole and enacted the nation's first three strikes law, which made it so people with three offenses get put in prison for life. The article states how, quote, the data show, the data show that average and maximum sentence lengths have increased substantially for all offense types. The findings also show that the number of long, very long, and life sentences imposed in 2016 was more than four times greater than in 1986. As noted previously, this notable increase in the imposition of long and life sentences occurred over decades characterized by dramatically falling crime rates, end quotes. Over the past 30 or so years, the number of long sentences has increased substantially and for many different reasons. This article also goes on to explain how, quote, the growth of this trial penalty is also an important driver of the growth of long and life sentences, end quote. The amount of time people have to wait to get a trial date after being arrested makes sentences even longer than they ever have been before. This is so much more. There's so much more this article talks about relating to long and life sentences, but these explain just a few examples that can help explain our topic. The second article we've researched is the prison policy article, which mainly shows infographics and graphs of the percentages of people in the criminal justice system how long they've been sentenced, 
the ethnicities of these certain people locked up and where they are currently incarcerated. These pieces of data help provide information that can support our argument of seeing what major factors have been left untouched by the public or people in the criminal justice system. Our thesis statement that uh, covers, that answers our question is while it is upheld that the existing system aims to do better and accepts changes made to its policies, the acceptable changes do very little to address the prominent factors of mass incarceration within this state specifically. The effect of the three strikes law combined with the long and life sentences given and the lack of options to reduce one's sentence, both through the Sentencing Reform Act, uh, through the Sentencing Reform Act, are all major factors left almost completely untouched. Essentially, nothing is being done to fix some of the biggest contributors to what keeps Washington's prison population the way it is. Removing the Sentencing Reform Act removing or at least removing strikes from the three strikes law and offering more opportunities for inmates to be re released early are potential first steps to reducing Washington's role in mass incarceration. Diving in deeper to the three strikes law, the Washington Policy Center wrote an article stating, to qualify under Washington's three strikes law, a criminal must be convicted as an adult on three separate occasions for serious felony crimes, including rape, robbery, child molestation, serious assault, manslaughter, or murder. There are many different variations of each of these crimes, some of them being less serious than others. The Washington Policy Center article also says, quote, Washington currently uses a determinate sentencing system that involves a sentencing grid. The more serious the crime is, according to the grid, the higher the expected sentencing range is set. Before three strikes became law, recommended prison terms for three-time offenders were first-degree child molester with two previous sex offenses is nine years and six months, first-degree robber with two previous violent offenses is five years, first-degree rapist with two previous violent sex offenses is 14 years and two months. Under three strikes, these offenders are now sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, end quote. Another factor that contributes to mass incarceration in Washington is the Sentencing Reform Act. Washington enacted the Sentencing Reform Act in 1984, and since then it has been amended many times. I found a report from the Washington courts that states the new guidelines for the SRA as of January 1st, 2021. Under the purpose section of the report, it states, quote, The purpose of this chapter is to make the criminal justice system accountable to the public by developing a system for the sentencing of felony offenders which structures, but does not eliminate, discretionary decisions affecting sentences, and to ensure that the punishment for a criminal offense is proportionate to the seriousness of the offense and the offender's criminal history promote respect for the law by providing punishment which is just, be commens commensurate with the punishment imposed on others committing similar offenses, protect the public, offer the offender an opportunity to improve himself or herself, make frugal use of the state's and local government's resources, and reduce the risk of reoffending by officers in the community, end quote. When the Sentencing Reform Act was enacted, 
It disbanded the possibility of parole in our state, meaning that once someone is sentenced, they must live out their sentence and there is no way for them to get released early, directly adding to the mass incarceration numbers. Both the Three Strikes Law and the Sentencing Reform Act play a huge role in the increasing rates in long and life sentences, making mass incarceration a current and large issue in Washington today. We've already looked and discussed more thoroughly some of the refutations that are made against our argument. Uh, some of them include are from a Seattle Times article that was uh, discussing changes made during COVID-19 and also some of the after effects of the reforms made to the three strikes law. One of them from John Carlson was that crimes like uh, of one of them from John Carlson was that uh, the three strikes law is successful in keeping criminals off the streets and that it would be dangerous to, uh, to take off the strike, in which we argued that it, there was no evidence that would say that taking off this strike would necessarily cause more danger. He brought up the possibility of it adding to violent crimes that are uh, becoming an issue in Seattle. But again, there was no evidence to say that taking off such a strike, like this reform, would cause such a spike. Another uh, concern that was brought up was that um, releasing prisoners earlier would uh, be an issue because of reincarceration rates, in which we argue that a lot of the reincarceration that was showing up was not showing up because of new crimes being committed or anything that was endangering the public, but rather small things that were uh, small infractions that are really in place because of the system more than anything else. And something that is not that was not outright said in any of our sources, uh, but is rather shown in action is that rehabilitation does not take priority over lengthy punishments, which is shown by our priority of having long life sentences over really anything else. Conclusively, the criminal justice system's overall goal is to aim for constant reforming. However, these changes do the bare minimum to address the most important factors contributing to Washington State's mass incarceration. Factors such as the Three Strikes Law and the Sentencing Reform Act have highly contributed to the effect of long and harsh sentences, which have yet to be recidified. In short, little to none effort has been shown to help fix the unproductive factors contributing to this prevalent issue. Eradicating the Sentencing Reform Act, reforming the Three Strikes Law by removing unnecessary strikes, and offering more opportunities for inmates to be released early are just a few things we can focus on to step into the right direction of reducing the mass incarceration in Washington State. Wrapping up this discussion with this last final thought, what if the system offered opportunities such as rehabilitation and seminars to help inmates gain the necessary skills to become a productive contributing citizen? This proposition could benefit convicts more than opposed to longer and harsher sentences, 
because inmates are not gaining any useful skills to be better. People being detained are just remaining stagnant until they're released to the real world again, if they're released at all. Either way, these stipulations, in the end, deeply affect our community. Thank you for tuning in. This is Tracy. I'm Kelly. This is News Ira. And I'm Katrina. But I do want to have a small discussion about the question that we asked, um, such as, like, what if the system offered opportunities such as and seminars to help in the necessary a productive um, really help. And I would just to see has been done like this um, is that's like okay let's take these certain people and you know let's try successful or was it not successful like for a reason that um, I just want your guys' opinion on that like is there a reason that you know this step like I don't know I mean, it's true that we don't have a lot of information on, like, what methods actually work. Like, we don't have a lot of data to compare that say that, like, incarceration has helped and whereas rehabilitation hasn't. We don't really have a lot of data on that. I don't think it's really been looked into, or at least there's no public info- information like that. Yeah. But do you think that it's some... Oh, yeah, I feel like... It. I feel like it depends on the person if it helps them which way if they benefit from being incarcerated or if they benefit from being in a rehabilitation center. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a matter of offering that opportunity too. I think that's kind of like the issue is that there is no option. There's no like weighing which is the better option for this person. Exactly. I wonder how it like... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wonder how it plays in to um, just like that fear, you know, like going back to, you know, for putting more people on the street, are we just asking for more crime? Uh, so I wonder how much of that causes that like restraint and that second guessing of like, what if we do do this? What's going to, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think a lot of like the people in the criminal justice system think that their strategies or like the stipulations are beneficial and that they're working. And so they're just okay with having like these like strict laws and whatnot because it's comfortable to them. They think it's working so far. Yeah, they don't really notice or it's not really a priority to make changes yeah for sure I think that's how not having information on which method works better and which doesn't that probably helps to keep them comfortable because there's nothing like outright telling them that you know this method it's not working we have better methods and you're not using it it's not really like presented clearly to them 
All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. This is Tracy. I'm Kelly. This is Nizaira. And I'm Katrina. Signing off. Thank you.